The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal back together again for a glorious Saturday morning. Some big red football to talk. And, uh, you know, not proud of this, but we're talking hair chitty chin chin. Uh, Slid into the chair. A lot of baseball yesterday for uh, the Schmidt family. Cranach, I know you are kind of knocking the dirt off the cleats this morning, brother. And uh, yep, you're more, today, uh, more this weekend, yeah, tournament time. It is the season. Elijah Herbal is uh, going to keep rolling his sleeves up. Him and Dolman took care of it yesterday. So uh, we have a day off today from baseball. And uh, then we go back at it on on Sunday. But, man, we got we just got trounced by, uh, by, by Millard West last night. It, it was yeah. not a good thing. They tend to do that to folks, specifically if you've already beaten them once this year. And, man, it's time to get after it. Uh, you, you think revenge is as thick at the high school level as maybe some, some college programs? Think about those rivalry games that there's been a drought, and, man, the fan base really wants to to get in there and get a victory. And uh, Nebraska's got a couple of nice candidates this year on the schedule, Cranach. You know, well, <laughs> you mean like the Big Ten in general? <laughs> I mean, come on. If you want to, you want to zoom out completely? We can, sure. Let's go. I mean, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin. What's Nebraska for the last eleven, twelve? Well, yeah, it's been around a, there. You you beat Minnesota in twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. And beat, then it was Hoodie Gate. Yeah, you beat Iowa. In 2014, 2014, and then you beat Wisconsin in 2011. So it's more than 0-12 by now. Ooh, what is that record? Well, you're 0 for against whiskey. So that's – and that's – so going back to 2012. Yeah, so, you're, so you're you're 0 – And 10. Yeah, 0-10 against Wisconsin. And then oh, for nine. Iowa, you oh, would 10. be 0-8. Yeah. Right. And then you're one and two against Minnesota. And quite frankly, uh, if they come into your place with 33 players because of COVID and still win, that should count double. That's probably why Adrian Martinez transferred to Kansas State. Has this been a thing with you this week? Uh, and for folks that didn't keep up on it, but I think most Nebraska fans would have. You have that audio, Elijah? Uh, I can get it. Yeah. 
he openly said that he wanted to uh, transfer win. to Kansas State because he wanted to win and he wanted to go to a bowl game. Hmm. You know, and uh, yeah. tough to argue with him in some ways. In some ways. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, bro, you're kind of a big part of <laughs> why that does or does not happen. Like you, know, you, you just are. That that's the that's the question, right? And I I think this, and, and he's had a couple of different sit downs. Adrian has right with his now now his time at K State, and I. The headline is worse than the sound. Okay, mm-hmm. it's absolutely looks worse than sounds worse with Adrian. Right. And I, I believe that. We'll, I believe that. We'll play that here for you well, in two seconds. Bill made a great point on the show yesterday that we were talking, and he made a, a point which I couldn't refute, which is the fact that this is now probably the third time this offseason we've had a moment of Nebraska fans saying, is this Adrian Martinez throwing shade back at the Husker program? What's he doing here? And then he compared that to, I mean, all of Casey Thompson's appearances. You've never seen that and gone, well, is he throwing shade at Texas here? He hasn't said a word about Texas. And, and that could have ended very ugly for him that could have been an ugly divorce for Casey Thompson from Texas with how it ended with the coaching staff with new quarterbacks well he he he, he hasn't said a word about Texas or even like alluding to Texas Casey Thompson pretty much got lied to and then they still oh I guess we got to use you because the other guy we once hurt and all he did was go ball he couldn't play defense it's not his fault he's allowing 50 a game I mean, think about that. So that, that that is different. But, I mean, Adrian's been part of the media world. I mean, his his podcast is on our was on our network or is on our network, heard that. So. Well, th- that's why I go, okay, one slip-up, one slip-up where you go, is, is he, uh, does he have a bad taste in his mouth from Nebraska because there's one thing he said? But we're at three now this offseason. Okay. Well, so the other one was – the, the most this is the most talent I've ever played on mm-hmm. what he's he was talking about Has Kansas there State been three and then there was uh the one on his own podcast where he went and talked about how it ended at Nebraska and you you got the taste like the the feel of like hmm there's a, there's a bad taste in his mouth here well it, it both sides just needed a fresh start right your Adrian 2019 happens where you're jerked around you you're hurt you're benched 2020 occurs. And you're playing hurt 2021. You're playing with a broken jaw. And then here's the reveal about, oh, yeah, now they know I have a broken jaw, right? That that was the first part of the, the three we're talking about, uh, telling Adrian telling us his story in his own words about having the broken jaw. And then that slip, then that being told during a broadcast and then, also touched on before his family knew, right? I mean, before, and then then the post-game part. I think it was after Ohio State, wasn't it, Cranach? Purdue or Ohio State? I believe so. Ohio State, yeah, the kid's done it all. And he has. And, God, it's tough to to separate – his liability versus team liability because you go as your quarterback goes. But when you say this is the team that has has uh, the most talent that I've ever played on, talking about Kansas State, that's indirect shade. Mm-hmm. Saying I want to transfer because I want to win. I want to go to a bowl game. Well, 
you know, I, at that point is where you can just kind of be like, all right, dude, that's enough. Like, <laughs> that's enough. I thought it was kind of a mutual, amicable parting of ways, but like, okay. Oh, let's absolutely. Just, let's just kind of, let, let's stop there and let's stop worrying about, let's stop worrying, by the way, too, in Nebraska about Adrian's feelings. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry. But like, there is a little, there's maybe a little too much palace intrigue once we start going into the mindset of Adrian and his feelings. Here, here's, like, here's what needs good, to good happen. Good for your feelings, dude. Like, cool. Nebraska wins needs to win seven or eight ball games. K-State needs to finish third in the Big Ten, tw- the Big 12. And let's just see each other down in Arizona for a bowl game. Oh, man. Let's that just, that would be uh, let's uncomfortable just do that. for a lot of people. That'd be uncomfortable? That'd be awesome. That'd be incredibly it, juicy. For a lot of people, <laughs> it'd be uncomfortable. No, well, and, and God, yeah, and I don't dwell. I mean, I, I on on it. I mean, you're you're shocked that a that a guy with as many starts as him would move on. Totally shocked, but not really. And I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I I absolutely get it, especially if Nebraska needs to find alternative options at quarterback because what had been going on here was not working. See, see, yeah, this is the kind of transfer that would be shocking in the landscape of college football 10 years ago. Right. Not this, now. This, this the is not the, the a shocking transfer by any means anymore. And I, I'd even say it was expected after how last. Sure. Year. No. I, well, and it's it's been this back and forth, Mark and, and Elijah with member member back. Yeah, do you want him back or not? I mean, that was a question. Yeah. Well, and it would be shocking if Nebraska was eight, four last year, nine and three. Right. If they finally like turned the corner and everything was working out, then it would be like, whoa, now you're leaving. Like, that's crazy. But. No, after what four straight years of it just not working out, and in the win loss column, it's actually getting worse. Mm-hmm. Not surprising at all, well, and and needed to happen. Right. I just could not imagine after the after the year the way it ended, and after the assistants that got let go, you're just like, there's no way you run it back with him, right? Like it's just, mm-hmm. I just I just couldn't even possibly fathom it. So it's it's not surprising in that way, but it is a little surprise. Maybe it's not surprising, though, because Adrian does have these podcasts and he does have he's a he's a good interview. He's he he talks right. Like he actually speaks. So he's not a man of few words. <laughs> you know, He talks a lot. Well, it's, and so it's when you, reality when you radio talk a lot or reality yeah. media, it's it's incredible. Right. Well, and when you talk a lot, you're going to you're going to say some things that make people mad. I don't know. I. Benefit of the doubt that he's not doing this as an intentional way to throw shade at Nebraska, but instead is answering questions in context or discussing things in context. And, you know, indirectly, it's shady towards Nebraska. The way the way I feel about it is it's how are you taking it as a Nebraska fan? Adrian's asked and answered and he's being honest. Here is Adrian's comments that we're talking about part of the podcast when it comes to talent and winning and the transfer you know and, and their narratives I'm, I'm fighting against yeah um well I, I i haven't been to a bowl game and i haven't had a winning season you know um now football is a team sport but 
I play quarterback and, and oftentimes, you know, you, you get associated with those kind of things and, you know, I want to win. I, I want to go play in a bowl game and I want to win a bowl game. So uh, that was another reason why I came here. You know, I, I feel like we have a great opportunity to win. And that's something um, if I do and I play the right way, I, I know we're going to have an opportunity to do part of that's not turning over the ball as much. Part of that um, is uh, being accurate all the time, making the right decisions. And that comes with playing quarterback. Yes. But, um, you know, I feel confident in this system and, and with the progressions I've made that I'll be able to take that next step. So there's plenty of accountability there when it comes to making plays, not turning the football over what he needs to do. Uh, the talent around him, I mean, since 2019, it's it's been problematic either to get protection, have a solid run game, or a, or, or a reliable run game uh, for Nebraska, not named Wandale. I mean, think about this. I mean, you want to know who did all the damage on the ground last year? 573 was Adrian. Uh the guy played hurt. The guy made some wonderful plays. The guy also had four, three of the four were horrible picks against Purdue, right? Another air quote winnable game in Lincoln. So it's it's messy is is what it is. And the more that's said, the more uh, the Nebraska fan base may take as an insult. Or you may look at it and say, it's kid being honest and best to him i'm looking at him more so than anything best to you go get some wins let's see you in a bowl game (laughs) and settle it on the field and and thanks for your time in lincoln dude because you're a stand-up stand-up guy yeah time time to move on right i know (laughs) we 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 touched on this we touched on this briefly this week we didn't dwell on it overly but it's a it's a fair saturday morning chat moment for Fair. sure absolutely. absolutely i but i think maybe july 1st we, we impose a moratorium maybe july 1st what do you think oh you know, we, okay the adrian moratorium yeah you get into the back half of the year and you're just sort of like okay it's you know it's over now that no that's the, that's fine i i say this though i mean if there's more that comes out can we lift the moratorium <laughs> <laughs> yeah we can because you know what the dude is going to be putting up Video game numbers, I bet. Well, <laughs> I really do think he will. Don't don't kid yourself. We we've dude. Got... He's going to the Big Twelve. Think about this. He's going to the Big Twelve. Kansas State's got a fairly stable program. They got a pretty productive offense, and now you're putting them in the Big Twelve. Like they haven't had his level of athlete at quarterback, I since like what Michael Bishop or something. I mean, it's been L. Roberson. Like you got to go way you, back. Look at you going with the Michael Bishop reference. But seriously, you have to go way back when you think of K State having just a you know well, who's game that breaker they, they type got, that got drafted act. by the Buccaneers. Oh no, Freeman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman. That, that's also another sticking point with Nebraska fans because he was headed to Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But he, Freeman wasn't an incredible athlete. He was a good athlete. He's a good quarterback. But he, I mean, yeah, he's he right. He's big size. He was more like a he, he was big size he's a, guy. He's a pro know? style dude. But I'm talking somebody that'll just juke you. Somebody that's got top end breakaway speed. Like there's not a lot of quarterbacks like that. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why it was so frustrating that Adrian <laughs> couldn't win with him because you're like, dude, that's like that's as fast as you're gonna ever get a quarterback. Like it's just they don't they don't make them faster than that. 
You know, and his size was perfect. His arm was pretty good. His jukes were good. He's pretty tough. You're just He's like, how tough. does that not translate? No, the, the lasting legacy and label for Adrian Martinez is is Husker tough to me. Was he perfect? No. Did he have the most help around him? No. Did he cost you some games? Yeah. Did he try and win him for you single-handedly? Too many times, yeah, but he was he was put in that position because of a lot of instances than the the other ten around him. Look at his look at his uh, pressure rate last year. For God's sake, Every time the guy dropped back to throw, he had someone in his face. <laughs> I mean, seven sacks by Michigan State. I mean, he was Houdini, man. A lot of times, this this more so this last season than. Previously in his career, we'll move on from Adrian. It's a weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Matt Schick will join us. The rewind, a little college baseball and Nebraska football thoughts with Schick on the way. So uh, we're just kind of walking along this month of June, and uh, lo and behold, here comes a lawsuit from USA Today, Cranach. Did we lose him, Mark? Yeah, I guess so. He says he's still here. Is he, ah, did, pow- he, did he get up? He just texted me. Power outage. Oh. That's wonderful. But USA Today on Friday filed a public records law against the University of Nebraska's director of records for denying a request to provide details about the metrics outlined in Scott Frost's and Fred Hoiberg's restructured contracts. Uh, you have... Uh, another outlet, of course, the Journal Star, filing a public records request seeking the same information. They were also denied. Uh, then the appeal happened with the Nebraska Attorney General's office. There's a letter dated December 13th. Uh, Assistant Attorney General uh, Elizabeth O'Gow concluded the requested document could be lawfully withheld under Nebraska's public records statutes. And the lawsuit filed Friday afternoon in Lancaster County District Court um, uh, over the denial of the reporter's request. Uh, The records related to the metrics mutually agreed to in the head football and basketball coaches restructured contracts. So the long and short, publicly, do you want to know what the, the metrics are from Trev Alberts? Do you want to know that going in to the basketball season? Do you want to know that going in to football? I think we're all kind of intrigued. I think we've done our own math on what needs to happen. And Nebraska needs to not only get to a bowl game, but also needs to look like it belongs in a bowl game. All right. What's the momentum of the program like? Uh, Are you losing football games in close fashion that happens to really good teams in the big 10 that are buttoned up but are you sloppy and losing does that continue uh for basketball is there any whiff of a defensive side of the court (laughs) uh uh, for basketball are you are you competing in the big 10 you can finish anywhere from one to nine and still get into the ncaa tournament i don't think the ncaa tournament is make or break for fred absolutely not but he's been here long enough 
problem is, is it's been a revolving door and a roster reset every year where you've ran out and filled your roster. I mean, we've spent so much time talking about what, what Scott Frost has to do this year in order to keep I haven't even job. thought about Fred yet. Yeah, is it an NIT-type season? Is that what Fred Hoiberg needs? Is it just finishing the be competi- top 10 in the Big Ten? <laughs> be competitive in the Big Ten on the hardwood and be vying for some sort of postseason. And if they NIT it, I think that'd be incredible. I think it's it's just hard to do when you keep flip flopping your roster. The problem is, is this wasn't the the approach from day one. It's X number of years later now, right? And 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 that's well, you can have a new staff and you can maybe change your approach if if. Fred and Trev are on the same page about, all right, how long is that going to take? I misstepped here. Uh, This isn't how things worked at Iowa State compared to what the reality was at Nebraska with all the transfers. That's my bad. I need to to readjust and recalculate. And and Fred's done that with his staff and his assistants and some of the kids they went out to get, uh, Sam Greasel specifically, right? I mean, that's... That's a dude you want to add, and I know it's a transfer, but Fred uh, Greasel's a, a dude that can really help bring uh, some stability to a locker room. I think that's been the biggest part of, of Nebraska's issue. It's not been talent. You're going to have a third guy, uh, three guy in, three guys in four years, two under Fred's watch that are going to be picked in the NBA. Uh, you'll have McGowan's. You had Banton. And he didn't get a chance to coach Roby, but Roby went in the second round. All right. So it's not like Nebraska's not had some talent. It's not like Nebraska's not gone out and gotten top 100 or top 150 either Juco or Portal guys. They've done a good job of that. It's just never the, uh, the, old, uh, the old presentations not matched what the recipe ingredients are supposed to have been. So that's where we're at there. I I have in my mind what it looks like if if you're if you're winning single digits in the Big 10 again see it this ain't working all right if you're if you're looking more so like the end of the year in the Big 10 basketball race like you know how Nebraska kind of surprised ooh you you won two or three I mean they've done that the past two years I know and now you get your your poop in a group well, where, where's that been all season with the same talent? So uh, the the approach is going to be different. Uh, it's going to be more focused on toughness and defense. And here's the offensive system. And do we have the right guys to run it? And the guy the and coachable guys that are willing to run it. So, so would you say that your your metric for for Fred Hoiberg for this season is less so? Uh, less so an actual metric and less so wins and losses and, and more so the eye test, how this team looks. Does it look like Fred Hoiberg, based on how he's constructed this roster, has a plan for winning in the Big Ten? Is that where you're coming from here? I, I think eye test is more important to me in football than it is in basketball. Because okay. I think they'll, they'll immediately look different. And I think the wins will follow in, in basketball with some of the talent they have. But both... Both locker rooms got to get, got to get buy-in. All right, period. With with how there's a way about going and doing your business in the Big Ten and getting wins that way. It it 
if you do what you're supposed to do, it, it will translate to wins in the Big Ten. Because that's how Wisconsin's done it. That's how Iowa's done it. That's how Minnesota's done it. And uh, you have your exceptions to the rule. Yeah, they have their, their process of beating the hell out of you on the hardwood or the football field. But they can also out-talent you and don't have to be perfect in a lot of instances if you're Ohio State or even Michigan. We'll step away and uh, get geared up for a rewind segment. We'll reconnect with Crane Act. He's dealing with a power outage. Weekend edition continues. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. With Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. <laughs> Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. That laugh is familiar. We say hi to Matt Schick of Schick and Nick, and of course ESPN Radio, ESPN TV, Sirius XM. Mr. Schick, good to talk to you. It's not quite been 644 days, but it's around there. <laughs> Something like that, exactly. Yeah, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a while. Good to. <laughs> Good to chat with you, Schmitty. How are you, buddy? We're good. We are uh, ready for baseball at the Schmidt household. You're ready for baseball on the Super Regional front. And we'll go there. And uh, some tasty matchups. If you had to circle one of these Supers that you're most intrigued by, which one? Uh, of all the Supers that intrigues me the most, I am going with North Carolina against Arkansas. Uh, I think I think that one is pretty tasty, not necessarily for the environment, but because there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent on both sides. North Carolina can pitch. they got a really good freshman, Advance Honeycutt, who if he gets to Omaha, he might steal the show. Uh, he is He's a 25 home run, 30 stolen bases player. And he's a freshman. He's built. He, he's just a really good kid who I talked to Scott Forbes, the North Carolina coach this morning, actually. And uh, he said he's unlike any player he's ever coached in terms of the gifts and and everything he's got and then for an Arkansas team that you know the Dave Van Horn angle is always there trying to get back to Omaha again think about where they were a couple years ago they dropped the fly ball that would have won them a championship last year they lose in the Supers to NC State after putting up 20 plus runs in the first game of the Supers so there's a lot there and it's an Arkansas team that has found out who it is they gave up a ton of runs against Oklahoma State but at the same time, they went through the war. Uh, you know, Connor Nolan can pitch. Michael Turner transferred from Kent State at, at catcher. Peyton Stovall trying to become who they thought he could be. And Caden, Caden Wallace at third has got a hose, man. I mean, he can really play. So that would probably be the the one. And then a backup, maybe the 2A. The 1A would be Texas and East Carolina because I love the quote-unquote little guy, which ECU is not. They're, they're a good baseball team and a good baseball power, but welcoming in Texas, it, it's rare for a team like ECU to be able to host a super regional against a national power program like a Texas. And for ECU, the storyline of never making it to Omaha despite 32 appearances, 
That's great. I mean, sign me up for both of those, and that, that place is going to be absolutely wild at uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. It, you want to go back to Arkansas. That drama around the program was pretty thick. There was a lot of strife even from uh, some, some media towards Turner. That was a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and, mm-hmm. man, they, they have battled through. Turner had an incredible regional and there's that soft spot spot for a lot of Nebraska fans. I know it's damn near 20 years, but mm-hmm. for uh, for Van Horn to, to get back to Omaha, so they've been so close, and they're that that program that you expect to win it that, that hasn't. Uh, Oregon State's always interesting. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with Pat Casey over the years. I know he's been gone from there, but Oregon State's fun to watch. And then A and M with their transition, uh, they're right back knocking on the door, Matt. Yeah, I mean, go back to Michael Turner. So, yeah, you met a friend in Arkansas, and they had a sports talk radio guy who bashed him. And I covered an Arkansas game and talked to Dave Van Horn about him earlier this season and when they played Missouri. And going into that game, he's just like, yeah, I can't believe he's not playing pro ball. You know, COVID happened, and the draft was shortened. And so he transfers from Kent State, and he's making himself some money this year. Um, he goes 8-for-18 eight in the – in the regional with 11 runs batted in and five runs scored. And he was a really good, he's a really good defensive player as well. So that Dave Van Horn story and Arkansas story, they look like a team that could get through Chapel Hill. They just, they, they really, really do. Um, the, the Texas A&M, you know, angle there is interesting. Louisville and what they did to escape Michigan as, the replay should have been overturned. It should have been Michigan taking a two-run lead into the ninth, and then maybe it's Michigan going to um, Texas A&M, which would have been outstanding. But it's not. It's Louisville and Louisville. And Cam Masterman, the player who hit a big home run against Michigan, said, "We have nothing to lose." He said that going into Texas A&M. And when you've got a really good team, that if the rest of the team feels like that, they're not feeling pressure. We're playing with house money, so to speak, because we're going into the higher rank seed, the better team, quote-unquote. I like Louisville's chances to go in there. I think Texas A&M's a, a fairly vulnerable top-five seed. Matt Schick with us from ESPN. Find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Schick. Also, Schick and Nick with the Hurt Ad Family podcast. Uh, it's a must-listen to each week. <laughs> and Matt going to dive into some Nebraska football because it is the mm-hmm. offseason. Athlon has come out with their – their uh, the prognostications. How does number five in the West grab you for Nebraska? <laughs> Is that what they have? Yes, they have, they have Nebraska in at five. <laughs> they uh, they have Wisconsin one, Purdue in at two, and and they re- return uh, Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, and uh, they've got a couple of Iowa transfers in at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, in at three is Iowa, Minnesota in at four. And then there's uh, the, the big red sneaking in at number five. Storm clouds are just a tough black and blue division where anything can happen any week. Well, I'll tell you, Purdue's going to be a trendy pick going into this season. And they're going to have the opener to figure out whether they're contender or not because they open up a Thursday night at home against Penn State. So how do they look? You'll get a really good gauge, but their schedule's very, very friendly. It's a friendly schedule with many winnable games. Um, I've said this about Nebraska that I, you know, you pick them anywhere from from two to five, and you're probably going to be right. Okay, like either if they go fifth in the division, I think we all know what may, might happen there at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the first half of their schedule is so extremely manageable that you have to stockpile wins early for them because the back half is going to be a really big challenge. And, um, you know, Nick and I on our podcast were talking about it this week about, you know, is six wins enough for Frost? And is, and the knee jerk is, yeah, yeah, six wins is enough. That's tangible evidence that things are going well. But then the more you think about it, you realize that if they go six and six, but they start off hot, maybe even if it's four and two, five and one, which their schedule indicates that's very likely. And I think anything short of five and one, four and two at the least would be really disappointing. Um, if they go six and six, then they're going two and four on the back end or one and five on the back end. And if that happens, you got no momentum. And a six, not all six and six schedules are created equal. And so that's where I would be a little cautious. Um, FPI, if you're into the ESPN football power index, says eight and four. Um, and that's probably where I would peg probably seven and five to play it safe just because there are so many unknowns. And I know for that opening game, it's nine, nine and a half for 10th Northwestern. That's just too many unknowns for Nebraska to feel any semblance of confidence. Um, and any that you feel is based on last year and the close games. But a switch, so many switches and so many different coaches, five new coaches, 15 new players, and a bunch of those transfers have got to hit. Um, the stability aspect for Nebraska is not there. They don't check that box. Uh, but do they check the box at quarterback uh, compared to Minnesota? Maybe. Compared to Purdue? I don't think so. Compared to Wisconsin? I actually think they might. Compared to Iowa? Yes, they absolutely do. So I think in the quarterback check, check box, it's, it, it might be there. It might be a push on a couple of teams, but it's probably going to be there. Uh, how does the rest of the team look? No clue. There's just too many unknowns. Matt Schick joining us a few minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio. You know, you, you mentioned uh, momentum. That's so key. And just think back to year one, how Nebraska finished. They they went four and eight, but they won that Michigan State game. They won a couple of other ball games. They beat Minnesota rather handily, and you felt good going into 2019 to the point where, back to 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 June talk, right? They were picked to win the West, and that didn't go so well. They've not closed against Iowa defensively. There's some new faces. You got a, a front four to. To, to figure out, aside from Ty Robinson, with some some uh, some big time names that, that came from some really good programs, but Matt, I'm just wondering about chemistry. Can it all mesh, and can you get players on the same page during these summer months, uh, along with the the offensive side of the football, the coaching staff on the same same side, and then put both of those together and be off and running? Is it too big a ask, or? Uh, you know, the the Mel Tucker comparison, look what Sparty did a year ago with that, that portal, and uh, they went 11-2. and two. Tucker's been really good uh, in short amount of spurts uh, wherever he's been. We'll see how Sparty follows up, but I'm interested if Nebraska can do a second act with it. They're going to have to to ease some tension here towards the end of the year. Yeah, I think I think if Michigan State, uh, I think this year if they win nine games, that's a huge achievement. I think there's a step back here. I think you go back to last year and and you can poke some holes in, in what they did, but you know what? You flip a coin and you call heads, and it lands heads four out of five times. You're going to win a bunch of games, and that's what they did. Nebraska called tails, and it landed heads. Um, there were a bunch of those 50-50 games late, and a bunch of those were self-inflicted wounds. It was a double-sided coin, and Nebraska knew they were using it and couldn't get out of their own way. So to your point about back in 2018, 
you know, if Nebraska had – they won four of their last six, right? But if they, if they had won four of their first six and then the front of the schedule happened at the end, you wouldn't be feeling how you felt going into 2019. So the order of things absolutely matters for momentum. But like you said, it doesn't – not necessarily from season to season, but from game to game. There was that bill, and then for some reason it just dropped off. I would say that for the chemistry here – you just thank God there's no COVID this year, right? Like, that, like with all this new chemistry, imagine if that hit, you know, you're going through this in 2020. Like, you've got to figure this stuff out. you got to get guys together. you got to forge some bonds here with a bunch of guys that are, frankly, mercenaries that are here to try and save a program and, and save themselves and increase their draft stock and go to a better landing spot. I mean, these are, in a lot of ways, some of these players are cast-offs that maybe didn't, fit where they were and now you've got to fit and you got to all fit together and you know Michigan State did what it did in large part because Kenneth Walker III is the best player at his position in the country does Nebraska have a player like that that could get you a win that could get you steal a W that could be the best player on the field that Dominican Sue could be that guy in the front seven that can cover up for a bad offense like they did and come a second away from a conference championship. Does Nebraska have a guy in the front seven that can wreck a game? You know, do, do they have someone offensively that can wreck a game? I, I don't think they do. Um, but I also think it's going to take time, and you're going to have to allow this program to not just recruit transfers, but to recruit high school players. And I think they'll be able to do that, which is why it's imperative that this staff wins seven or more games so that they get him another year or two to do just that. Because I think this is a really good coaching staff. And I hope they get more than one year, and I hope they hit the ground running. Well, you look at what Trev might be thinking and see, seeing how 2022 goes, you've made some incredible hires. Bill Bush, mm-hmm. Mickey Joseph, mm-hmm. two specifically that – have a just phenomenal track record of, of recruiting and development. And they've, they've worked for some heavy hitters. Uh, Coach Applewhite mm-hmm. isn't as well-known, but that dude's really good. Yeah, really, really mm-hmm. good. Was really good at TCU. So you don't want uh, an 3 scenario to happen where you make staff changes and then you don't get a longer runway, but you're, you're working on year five. So it's it's interesting, isn't it, with uh, what what needs to be happening in Lincoln you bring in some some big name coaches that can help you get there, but you want to see uh, the next year and years after. Like if you make a change after this year, you're four coaches in ten years. <laughs> yeah. Like like if you really think about it, and Trev Alberts has preached stability, stability, stability. So he Trev Alberts, and knowing him and hearing what he has to say, is not going to be the kind of guy that goes okay. I'm just looking at wins and losses. He's going to look at what kind of improvements are we making and are there signs that this thing is moving? Are there signs within games that it's moving? Are, what's the sign of improvement this year? Playing better in the last two minutes instead of playing worse. Right? Playing your best football in the fourth quarter instead of crumbling. Making those special teams, uh, you know, capitalizing on special teams instead of cashing in your chips on special teams. And that's why I think the two biggest transfers are Bleak Road and Bushini. I mean, those, if those guys are upgrades, if you can get your kicker and punter squared away and they're not costing you games and they're a net even for Nebraska, then I think this team is at the minimum making a bowl game. And they would have made one last year. 
with those two guys if those guys are upgrades, are upgrades or just a neutral asset. Then, then figure it out. Um, and that's where the frustration comes in. So, yeah, I think it's going to be just every week is going to be an adventure. And who would have thought 20, 25 years ago that you'd be sitting here thinking, geez, you know, six games would be great. But life comes at you fast, man. And uh, that's kind of where Nebraska is. Matt Schick with us, ESPN, and, of course, Schick and Nick. Uh, Matt, uh, a thought here before we say goodbye while we're into projections and predictions. How are your bills going to be, man? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little leery of this uh, preseason. They're the best team in the NFL. I think people like to really get ahead of themselves. I think they're there. I think they're close. I think they're. It's like a coin flip thing, right? You win that coin toss against Kansas City. Maybe you're winning the Super Bowl. Things happen quickly. I do think that they are a top five team, and I think that you know anything short of home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC would be a big disappointment. Uh, Kansas City takes a half step back. He always looks like Nebraska in the West. Who's taking a step forward? Who's taking a step back? And how does that impact your steps that you're making? I think the Bills will be just as good as they were last year. And then how's everyone else thinking? Um, Tyreek Hill, you take him away from Kansas City? I'm not as scared. So give me Buffalo. Give me AFC Championship. Give me Super Bowl. Or don't even play the season, Schmitty. That's where we're at here. There you go. All or nothing. Love it. Matt Schick with us. Matt, take care. Thanks so much for a few minutes. Appreciate it, buddy. Any single time. Thank you. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Early to rise with Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Thanks for hanging out. Weekend edition is here. It's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You can stream, as always, ESPNLincoln.com, the podcast. We uh, really appreciate you checking out the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio. And can find that Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and the on-demand segments, ESPNLincoln.com, uh, on-demand, where you go with that. The SoundCloud, the two-minute drill portion that Elijah does an amazing job with, that's ESPN Lincoln's Twitter and uh, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. In Hour 2, we'll spend some time with Brandon Vogel, uh, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. And then the Iron Horse be, will be with us, Gary Sharp. We spent time this last hour. Adrian Martinez, how are you taking his comments as a Nebraska fan? Not to belabor this, but uh, it's in the news this week uh, with uh, his appearance on a on a podcast and also a sit down interview with uh, an outlet uh, that covers K State football. And uh, I don't see him as throwing shade. He's answering direct questions. And it's it's time to move on, <laughs> is what I say with it. Uh, now, uh, to your point, Elijah, you and Bill Dolman touched on the fact that, you know, it's now three times <laughs> that he's been. But he's always going to be asked about Nebraska mm-hmm. until he's not asked about Nebraska by somebody who gets a sit down with him. So, Cranach's trying to connect. He... Uh, 
Yeah, nothing, no sound makes me want to pick up something more than the Skype sound because I just want that call sound to end. Yeah, you, like, you, I, I want to pick that thing up immediately. You, you hate, uh, you hate that that ding, ding, ding. Do we do we have Mr. Cranack? Cranack did. You survived the power outage. Did you dive into the uh, the, the canned goods, my friend, in your safe room? Do we have him? Says we do. I think I hear him in the background. Maybe he's setting up his, his equipment still. Yeah, maybe he is. Maybe so, he doesn't have his headphones on yet. They're, they're all are possibilities. Right. Well, hour two, we'll move forward and, and, and have that gorgeous voice of Mark Cranach. Also spent some time with Matt Schick there, Schick and Nick podcast, Heard at Family Media Network, and uh, of course, uh, his take on the Big Red and uh, quarterback play going to be so vital. Is it the most vital? Brandon Vogel will answer that. We'll get some thoughts as summer heats up. Gabe Irvin Jr. Spent time with the network this week. Says he's fully healthy, ready to go. Where does he figure in the running back race? Hour 2's next weekend edition, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. The Hail Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28 and now roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2 Weekend Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel, as uh, we are off and running this uh, gorgeous Saturday morning. And we say hi to the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, author also with John Cook, Brandon L. Vogel with us, and Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, uh, we aren't uh, streaming in this morning, but are you set up in the uh, the football office? We we have done shows with you front and center with the uh, the stoic uh, backdrop of the Vogues office. We saw Babbers uh, earlier this week, Mike Babcock, in, in his office, and that's always kind of a, a cool setting and seed what's your coolest football relic in your office good question um i mean i don't have a ton of football relics i mean it's mostly just books um my my favorite like weird football book that i got at a secondhand store in like central texas a while ago was called dementia pigskin which uh it's so hard to explain that i'm not even gonna try but it's from like the 1930s or so and it's about how football makes sports fans crazy um i love that book and i I try to reread it uh actually about every year about this time as i'm starting to get ramped up for football 
to get here. Um, so that's the pick for this morning, at least. Dementia football. So how, okay, on, 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 a, on a scale of 1 to 10 of, of crazy, <laughs> how, uh, how, how crazy is this season going to be? I mean, and Vogue's, and for context, bud, it, it's been building, right? To complete breakdown because of how this tenure's gone and how the fan base, the team, the coaches, everybody wants the same thing. But man, it's been, there has been a lot of new twists and turns uh, with Nebraska football. And, and it's all got to, whatever this painting becomes, it's all got to dry and look pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Uh, on the on the crazy scale, it's probably on the potential crazy scale, I should say. It's probably about as high as I can remember for a, for a recent Nebraska season. When you look at all of the turnover, both on the roster and in the offices, in terms of the assistant coaches, you also have. And I, I wrote about this a little bit in the in the yearbook. Um, you know, we talk about how. Every season, or maybe we don't talk about it. My feeling is, like, every season at Nebraska, given its proud football history, can feel a little bit must-win, right? Um, but in actuality, this is is probably the biggest must-win season that I can recall, just because we have – we don't know exactly what happens, but something changes on October 1st. A voluntary contract reduction and buyout reduction happens at that point. That is real tangible evidence that something needs to change um, because there are already consequences for it. So I think you add those things all together um, and just kind of the wild nature of Nebraska and all of these close losses over four, four seasons. And it adds up to a uh, – it's going to be a pretty spicy stew, I think, by the time we get to fall of 2022. You know, Brandon, and what is your sense for – when that happens for for when the season is underway and it's September, is there a number? Is there a set of wins? Is it is it how competitive you are? Is it how many W's we're putting on the board? What do you think will enter the calculus for Trev Alberts? Yeah, so that date is October first. Like I don't view that as as D Day by any means. It's just sort of. After that point, uh, D-Day could potentially come. And, and you look at the, you know, you look at Nebraska's schedule, which I'm always hesitant because, you know, some teams on there are going to be potentially vastly better than anyone would project. I mean, Michigan State's win total was four, four or four and a half going into to 2022. I mean, that was a win that if you looked at Nebraska's schedule last year at the end of September, you probably said, well, that's, that's a game Nebraska can win. Um, and it almost did. Um, so it's, it's tough to schedule watch, but I was talking with Steve Marek as he was working on some things, um, kind of looking at the best version of this Nebraska season upcoming and, and the worst version for some stories that are upcoming and going through some of the power rankings and inferred win probabilities Nebraska has about, based on my calculation, about a 10% chance to get to 8 0. To go 4 0 over those last four games, it has about a 1% chance. And I can't remember a schedule that kind of had that clean of a break uh, in, in recent memory. So, you know, eight, based on who they play, 
and and what we would guess about kind of the point spread for those games. Ten percent to get to eight now, only a one percent chance to to go four and zero against Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, which makes sense, but. It just kind of outlines the stark difference of how much work I think Nebraska has to get done over the first basically two-thirds of this season. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, you mentioned that October 1st date. That's actually the day Nebraska plays Indiana. That's game five. So tell me, in your estimation, you said it's not D-Day, but what, what is the number in terms of win total where you think warning bells would be going off through those first five games if Nebraska's at that point? Is it four and one? Is it three and two where where is the point where you think well maybe there might be some steam towards uh, making a change at the top if nebraska has this record yeah so if they if they go into that indiana game three and one i think that's sort of the the checkpoint of okay this this is going okay this is going well so far you know that would be basically if you just took the chalk and said well you get Oklahoma at home, but Oklahoma probably still wins. But you, you get the other three done for Nebraska. That would be, like, good. Now you can move into the, the second third of this season and, and be okay. If you're 4-0, um, well, things are, things are rolling and you're, you're feeling pretty great. 2-2, two and two, um, which, you know, if you, if you look at Oklahoma, currently favored on these way early lines in that game, despite being in Lincoln. And yet you look at Northwestern as kind of a weird scenario in a foreign country, literally um, <laughs> two and two with context would be, would be a little bit tough. And then that Indiana game on, on October 1st, like we can look at Indiana and really fell off. I mean, they've, they've lost two strength coaches to Alabama and two of their offensive defensive coordinators since 2019 who are now both head coaches. That's a lot of, of turnover for the Hoosiers coaching staff, but um, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that Indiana team could be a little bit of a wild card, even if that's one of those games where we look at it now and say, oh, Nebraska's a pretty decent favorite in that game based on what we think now. So, three and one going in, you, you drop that Indiana game and it, and it sours pretty quickly. Um, you got the rest of the month of October, I think, to really kind of get things going. Brandon Vogel's with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Yearbook is going to be headed your way, your college football Bible. If you're a Nebraska fan, get that subscription now. HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. It really, it's one thing to lose a tight ball game, guys, uh, and it's another thing to, to do it repeatedly. Nebraska's done that, and I think the frustrating part is the turnovers, the sloppiness, and the – who'd they lose to, right? I mean, that's that's the reaction, but now you, you might be a little numb to it. But Indiana shouldn't be – and I'm not saying Nebraska's this great juggernaut anymore. I'm not saying they can't become one, but you've lost to Indiana before, 2019, shootout, right? Backup quarterback was in, but still you had a chance to seize control of that ball game. You had the crazy fumble inside the 20. And bang, there goes your momentum. You're at Rutgers. Purdue's could be really good or or not live up to the hype. And then there's Illinois, and then there's Minnesota. There's some some peers or some teams that you're you're supposed to because you have a red end roll out and win. That's different now, but there's still an expectation of it. So if Nebraska handles their business against some of the 
dare I say, winnable games on the schedule. I mean, there's there's postseason. I it's important to me, and I want your guys' feedback, Vogues and Cranek and Elijah too. It's important that Nebraska starts looking the part. That's what we were talking with uh, Matt Schick about earlier. I mean, you, you got to look competent at football, and you'll know when you watch Nebraska football if you're satisfied because I think the wins will translate, Vogue. Vogues? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's kind of been the story. It's been the missing piece for the last four years is, like, uh, Nebraska looks the part um, physically against certainly the rest of the Big Ten West, um, and it looks the part for 70 to 85% of most of these games, and, and then it falls apart in the, the 15%. And, you know, I, this is something I've looked at a lot, and it's nothing you can wave a magic wand over, but Nebraska's just, it, it tends, it, it hasn't gotten the quick starts, I think, this system is built to thrive on and, and quick starts are important for, for any football team trying to win a game. But I think this system is particularly built to thrive on it. They have to expend so much energy to get back into so many of these games that just that being ready to go out of the gates and, you know, whether it's through design, whether it's through a little bit of luck, uh, whatever it is, I mean, that would feel like such a big difference if, if Nebraska felt in control of these games. And, I mean, it's not everything. It was in control of the Iowa game last year for for three-fourths of it, and then it still collapsed. Um, but that would that would go a, a long way to, to help, I think, staying out of trouble rather than having to fight to get out of trouble all the time. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. The, the thing Nebraska needs more than anything, obviously, is like, some form of stability and what's interesting to me is that look I don't know that you can count Chubba Purdy out and to just even imagine that on a year that there's so much riding um, like a quarterback controversy is kind of the last thing you need right now that said when you look at the spring game small sample size did Chubba Purdy not look like the most explosive athlete out of the quarterbacks and maybe kind of the most upside overall. Is that how you saw it too? And if that's the case, and if he's healthy, does he have a shot to start game one? I think so. I mean, I definitely don't go into this, this summer thinking that race is settled and I don't think it's unsettled in name only either. I mean, I know that's kind of, what was said after the spring and the spring game was tough. It was a limited sample size, um, of course, but it, it always is. You know, I, I look at that and I, I, I think Chubba Purdy does have a chance this summer to, to make his case. And we, we look at this, you know, Nebraska's probably going to throw the football more. I think that's, that's the expectation and that's a fair expectation based on what Whipple has done in the past. It's a fair expectation based on the quarterbacks that they brought in in Casey Thompson and, and Chubba Purdy. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if that race remains there. I mean, I think Thompson's still the favorite based off. Wow. But also just a little bit of his experience. So game one might be, I, I would be surprised if Purdy started game one of the season, but I don't think who, who will. Um, 
for for that opener. I don't know if they're, they're not going to have a very long leash um, in terms of the games that follow. Brandon Vogel's with us here, Brandon, and, and I mean, also you, you gotta I think factor in Logan Smoes to the conversation as well. Not necessarily as a starter, yeah. but as a guy who could get some uh, some spot time. I mean, I think back to what uh, they tried to do with McCaffrey a few years ago, where they'd get him in and utilize him where they can. But my question to you is, how how big do you think this backup race is going to be? I mean, we were talking yesterday on the show. I think it's safe to assume that rolling out for uh, week zero against Northwestern, Casey Thompson's going to be the guy. But uh, Nebraska, I don't even know when the last time they had their starting quarterback play all 12 games in a season. I mean, they were close last year until those uh, the final game with Adrian Martinez where uh, Logan Smothers had to step in against Iowa. I mean, the, the backup quarterbacks had to come in and, and start a game for Nebraska, I believe, each of the past five or six seasons. So how important is this backup quarterback race going to be? I think it's pretty big um, for for the reason that you mentioned. Um, because yeah, I can't I can't think of either. Maybe one of those early Tommy Armstrong seasons did he did he get all twelve in? I don't remember um, because we remember some of the later ones where he was unable to go. Of course, um, but also because I very much enter this this season thinking, okay, Nebraska's got three quarterbacks who potentially could start, I, I think, and that's almost a unicorn in, in today's today's college football. You don't see it very often, and, and we'll see if they can maintain that. But to kind of go back to what we were talking about maybe in the first part of this segment, like it's so clear that there's so much pressure here that you don't really have the luxury of – okay, if, if Casey Thompson is the guy and it's a little bit middle of the road, maybe even a little below average, uh, it, I, I don't think you can, can sit with that and be like, well, it's just going to take some time. It, you know, Nebraska needs to, to get a lot of work done in the first two months of the season. Uh, and if that requires quarterback switching, uh, I think it will. I don't think that's off the table by any means. So that backup race becomes really, really important because it's not just – and in case of emergency scenario this season, it's a in case of lack of production, um, which can be a dangerous game in its own. But I think that's where Nebraska's at. Bogues, you said the P word, my friend, pressure. And no one knows how some key cogs will handle pressure. You have so many new transfers in. Uh, either via the portal or just guys that are new to the program. But do you think getting guys from an LSU, from a Texas, from a TCU, from an Alabama will help kind of relieve some of that strain? Sorry to go Diaco there, but I'm, I'm curious. So guys from, from, bigger, from bigger and winning programs, can they help ease some of the tension that, that we all feel like may be uh, pretty heavy uh, starting across the pond. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it hurts. Um, you know, Casey Thompson, in terms of his Texas experience, and I guess Marcus Washington as well. You know, those guys played through what Texas lose five five straight in the middle of the season, four uh-huh. or five. Kansas, like, I mean, that Kansas and, game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, at a place like Texas, even in year one under a new coach, that doesn't play well. And, and Trey Palmer, coming from LSU. Uh, basically played through the end, the bizarre end of the the Ogeron era. And, you know, those are volatile and difficult circumstances, given what we know about 
kind of the rabidity of the, the fan bases at, at both of those places. Alabama, you know, a little bit of a different deal where you're worried about one, you know, losing one game and it feels like a, a calamity, but still there. So I think given the choice uh, for, for some of these these power five transfers who maybe, I mean, Casey Thompson's a little bit different, you know, but for some of these guys, they, they weren't the guy at their place, which is part of the reason they're in the, the transfer portal looking for a different situation. Um, I'd rather have those kind of players from big time programs, kind of the historical peers of, of a Nebraska or a Michigan or Ohio state programs like that, uh, because I do think it gets you a little more prepared for the fervor that is day in and day out around these teams in the fall. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale varsity radio. <clears throat> Would you look at Nebraska's defense from last year? Um, you know, pretty stable unit, pretty predictable production, pretty consistent. A lot of six-year players helps with that. Where, where do you expect, just like sort of percentage-wise, or even scale to one to ten, if Nebraska was an eight last year on defense, where, where do you think they net out this year? Do, do they go up? Do they stay the same? Do they go down a little? What do you think? Probably down a little. I mean, I think – until we see how some of these new new pieces fit, um, it, it's tough to, to project even maintaining. But I, I would be surprised, based on Shenander's track record so far, if there was, was a major drop-off. I mean, give, given how much Nebraska lost from that defense, you know, there would be some places and some schools where you'd just be like, well, this is, this is going to be pretty rough. Um, I, I don't get that sense here. So, you know, I would probably put the, on a one to 10 scale, if they were an eight, uh, I think six and a half is, is a fair expectation. So if you get to seven or seven and a half, the pass rush uh, has a chance to be upgraded. And, and that's not just because of O'Shawn Mathis, that's because of guys like Garrett Nelson, you know, being a year on in their career, being presumably a year improved. Um, it might. It, it, they're young, and you had two guys back there that, that played a ton of football, so I don't want to take that for granted. But I think there's a chance Nebraska could be upgraded at safety. Um, and you get a pass rush, and you're strong up the middle, and, and we know that the returning linebackers are pretty strong. Like, it's, it's not a given that this defense takes a step back. It's just too hard for me to say, um, oh, I think they definitely will. But the ceiling is there for them to be as good, uh, if not slightly better than, than last year, uh, even though I say we'll probably start out with a little bit lower expectations, or at least I do. Brandon, I, I like this question, so I, I'm going to rephrase it to you, I, I guess. And uh, if we take a, a three-year aggregate the past three years of the special teams, on a scale of 1 to 10, there is zero. Um, so... With that in mind, what is a number on that 1 to 10 scale that you think Husker fans would be happy with from the special teams here in 2022? Probably a 4. I think that would be uh that would be for me if I'm setting that barometer and I would agree uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, Nebraska hasn't hasn't qualified for the scale to this <laughs> point. Um, <laughs> getting to 4, which would be, you know, in the middle of the the middle of the pack basically kind of the middle two-thirds of all college football teams. And, and maybe, you know, your special teams still cost you a little bit there. 
but for the most part, they're they're kind of a wash. Um, they're not winning you games, but they're not losing you games, which which has been the case too frequently of of late in Lincoln. Um, that would be a very productive, I think, first year for for Bill Bush, and and that's another one where. Similar to the defense, I feel like I can set that as a fair expectation. And if that group were to bounce to a six or so with, with some of the additions they made in the kicking game, and if you, you can get one of those returners, whether, you know, Palmer presumably, uh, to, to break, a, break for a touchdown uh, at, at a certain point, then, then you're all the, up, up to a six, and, and that wouldn't surprise me either. But just getting back to, like, just be a net neutral for, for Nebraska would be a pretty sizable improvement. Vogues, we got to talk yearbook, man. It's uh, around the corner. The yearbook party's coming up at the Hale Varsity Club uh, towards the end of June. Excited for it, man. Finishing touches. Tell us a little bit more about the yearbook. Yeah, so that went went to went to print uh, officially this week, 160 pages, so a little bit longer print time than our normal monthly issues. So still got a, a little bit of time before that uh, starts arriving in people's mailboxes, but really, really excited about it. Uh, I know. Uh, great story by Aaron Sorensen on him, um, Jacob Padilla. Bogues, we 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 lost you there. Do we have you back, bud? Yeah, I got you guys. All right, reset and go, because you were uh, you were dropping. Yeah. I was like me in left field trying to catch a fly ball. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so the yearbook is is officially at the printer. Um, a lot of people have probably seen the cover with Garrett Nelson. Uh, great story by Aaron Sorensen on him that I think informs some some things that people may not know about about Garrett. Um, Steve Marek wrote a great profile of Quentin Newsom, really important player in 2022. Mike Babcock took on the Grateful Dead with Barrett Rood. Uh, they are both <laughs> big fans of, of the Grateful Dead, so that's a really fun story. Uh, plenty of other good stuff in there as well. Uh, and, of course, position-by-position breakdowns and then the team previews, uh, which I, I continue to obsess over even though they're done. Gotta love it, man. No, those team previews are the the look see, man. Checking out a team sold before kickoff. Gotta love it. Brandon Vogel, follow him on Twitter at Brandon L Vogel is where you find him on Twitter. And uh, of course, uh, great stuff with HailVarsity.com and magazine. Get the subscription. HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Bogues, have yourself a weekend, bud. Give Junior uh, a fist pound and uh, enjoy some. Uh, some time, man. Appreciate you you making uh, time for us this morning. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. There he is, Brandon Vogel, with us on Hale Varsity. Cranach, uh, you uh, you're a football nut like a lot of us, and how cool is that yearbook cover with with Garrett Nelson? And then we've talked with Babbers a little bit, but him and him and Rudy sitting down to talk uh, Grateful Dead. I, I would say. I would bet that you at one time in your high school life probably had a Grateful Dead tie-dye, didn't you? I, well, I had a shirt that said Grateful Red. Well, I, m- I remember seeing that. Remember those? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of like the Dead Skull logo, but instead it had the N on it, and it was probably a copy- talk, about, was talk it, about a deep track. Yeah, oh. was it copyright deal, or was it was it all good? I don't think they ever found out. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was pre, you know, social media. So mm-hmm. nobody ever apprehended me 
Um, so it's pretty good there. I've been doing some, by, by the way, some little deep searches on uh, Nebraska's receiving core. Mm-hmm. The new guys. Uh-huh. Some of the new guys that have come in. And I don't know, man. We'll have to get into that with Gary here in a little bit. I discovered some things. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get into some, some things with, uh, with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp, he's next. Weekend edition continues. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. No passing out. Not this Saturday. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, is in the on-deck circle. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Weekend Edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Be sure to get the podcast, subscribe to us, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We love the feedback and can do so Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. You can join us this morning, about 30 minutes left, 466-377-800-825-5865. So, we will effort uh, Sharpie Claws here. Cranach, you were diving into some receiver numbers, and uh, we are excited uh, to see what, what can happen here with uh, with Nebraska football. And the, the wideouts are, are, are shiny and, and talented. Cranach, they are some dudes that, well, quite honestly, you, uh, you really get excited about because of, of their skill, their talent, their speed. And uh, visions of, of big plays uh, go through a lot of Nebraska fans' heads. And uh, what were you uh, able to uncover a little bit, my friend? There is, uh, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by it. I I'm I'm waiting for Nebraska though to to be able to ground and pound again. That that's a, another conversation. But the wideouts absolutely have uh, well a lot of question marks, and and that could be a good thing. Well, look, Nebraska added three transfers of note, right? Mm-hmm. You added Trey Palmer from LSU, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico State, Marcus Washington from Texas, right? So people that have experience and that have played. But when you look at how they performed and where they stacked on the teams that they're coming from, none of those guys were the top targets. Just for whatever that's worth, these were not the number one receivers. You look at Trey Palmer in particular – he was about third or fourth, about the third or fourth option. You look into his like third quarter numbers, which kind of or not third quarter, third down numbers, which kind of indicates gives you some idea anyways of like, hey, when you got to pick up a first, are you the guy that's targeted quite a bit or not? Are you guys that makes the play a lot or not? Right. So like if you were to look at Jordan Westerkamp's third down numbers back in the day, they're probably pretty 
pretty solid, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're nice. Uh, right. Trey Palmer only had like three catches on third down out of his 30 some. Okay. So I know he's fast. I know he's 10, three. I know he's a four star. I know he's got a nice punt return and a kick return for a touchdown. I'm not saying he's a dynamic athlete, but in terms of being this top shelf, number one wide receiver, he hasn't shown it yet. Maybe he will be that guy, but it's not like that's a no brainer that it's just going to happen. Right. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda at New Mexico State, pretty lowly program. He was the number two guy. He only had three or four touchdowns. Right. Marcus Washington had 18 catches out of those three dudes. Only one of them has a 100 yard game. Marcus Washington against Kansas. And you remember that shootout, Mm -hmm. Texas and Kansas, where it was just back and forth balls. I think Casey had 500 plus yards or something passing. Um, So all that said is like, yes, you're bringing in some talent. But I don't know who the number one guy is going to be. And to have it be this foregone conclusion that it's definitely Trey Palmer when he hasn't really shown that he is that guy or can be that guy. It just makes me wonder. It just makes me wonder how the how it's going to shake out. Who is going to be your top target? Do you really have game breakers? Because I don't see a lot of huge plays out of those out of that crew either. In terms of long plays of 20 plus yards or so, it just it feels like you're getting quite a few guys that are that have some dependability, but it kind of looks like it might be more of a station to station, chunk by chunk type offense than some sort of, oh God, there goes Trey Palmer for 80 yards or 70 yards, I, um, unless something drastically changes. Well, and there's an expectation that they are going to be able to trans transition into being the guy, right? And... I think back, uh, case in point, is, is Stanley Morgan, right? Look at, look at Sunday Stan. And Stan, in that uh, 2016 season, he was fantastic. And he was a number three. He was a third option when you have Alonzo Moore, DeMornay Pearsonell. I think DeMornay got dinged, but you, you get what I'm saying. And, and, oh, yeah, by the way, you had Jordan Westerkamp. Think of that receiver's room, and you had Riley. So you had all of those options, and you got to check everybody on third down. And and Stanley was huge. And then you look at Stanley by his senior year as the de facto number one. The guy who went out, earned it, was Nebraska's top wide receiver. You know what type of season he had. I mean, the guy was had the, the first 1,000-yard receiving season in Nebraska football history for a wideout. It just doesn't, you don't snap your fingers and poof, just because you run a 10-4 or because you're a five-star or because you've shown flashes, you, you don't have the consistency. It's not that you can't go do it, but to expect you to just step in and kill it is is unfair. And to your point, Nebraska's got a number of those guys that, okay, this is a different setting. Like, you, you can look back and and project fairly based on production what somebody was going to do. And you can do that with some of the transfers, but Cranac, with, with your data, that's that's very fair to question. All right, can, can all of these talented guys that just have incredible physical skills come in, know an offense, learn an offense, get on the same page with a new quarterback, new coordinator, new position coach in some instances – and go get it done in the Big Ten. Go get it done against Oklahoma. Uh, so 
yeah, it's okay to be weary, but that's really no fun. It's it's more well, fun to, to just say, yeah, they're going to come in and, and kill it. It'll work out. Well, and obviously a lot of that has to do with who was your quarterback, what was the protection like, what's the design of your offense, mm-hmm. all those things are factors, right? And Mark Whipple, the offensive coordinator coming from Pitt, obviously had no issues targeting one dude and making him the number one, right? the Bolitnikov right. winner that had 7 million catches for 5 billion yards. He's, he's, he's not above doing that, right? Like so that, that tells me that if you got something that works, stick with it. That's promising. I just don't know, and I don't think we can say with – and I've just heard so many times, like, oh, got Trey Palmer, good, number one target, yeah. You're just like, well, <laughs> you, you don't really know if that's the case yet. We don't really know if he's going to be a, be the guy that can grab that. Um, I think Mickey, Mickey can get him there. That. Mickey can get him there. I think Mickey can do his part with coaching up these guys and, and blending their talent with – the, the day-to-day, Elijah, you were going to jump in. Yeah, and Mark, I just want to pose the question to you, get your thoughts on this. Is it important for Nebraska to have a number one guy next season? I mean, I think back the last time Nebraska really truly had a, a, like a true number one guy was probably Stanley Morgan. Mm-hmm. You, can sure. make, you can make the yep. argument last year for Samari Toure being the number one guy, but he wasn't a clear-cut number one guy. So do you think yeah. Nebraska needs to establish a number one receiver next year to be successful? I, I think it's really helpful. Because <laughs> I, I, I think when you have that, that opens up everybody else. Like if you have that one dude, like think when you were playing Purdue and there's Rondale Moore, like you are, I mean, you are dedicating at least one human being to that, probably more. <laughs> and you are just making sure that that dude does not get loose. And right. Mark- and then that opens up David Bell and some other. So like, yeah. I think it would be extremely helpful for Nebraska to have that dude rather than a station-to-station station kind of controlled passing attack where you're just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, because that, that just increases the number of times that the ball's in the air, that <laughs> increases the chances for things to go wrong. So, yeah, I feel like you do want that number one target, and then you want that number one target, that clear number one target, and then you want a bunch of dudes behind that that, okay, if you're going to dedicate a bunch of space and and resources to stopping trey palmer awesome because now we got these other four dudes like an omar manning or whoever that's going to really hurt you and mark just uh, another question yeah. to, to pose to you is are we forgetting a, a position group here in terms of the pass catchers i'm not saying a, a, a tight end that's where i'm going here but i'm not saying a tight end is going to be the number one guy in terms of stats but do you think a, a tight end could be the guy that, that Casey Thompson leans on in terms of that reliable target that you know on third down is going to be open? You let me look back at Pitt's stats last year. Their number two guy was Jared Wayne from the wide receiver room, 47 catches. But their number three guy, if you can call it that, was Lucas Kroll, their tight end with 38 catches. And he wasn't as much of a deep threat. But in terms of catches per game, he's on a, a similar level to a guy like Jared Wayne. And when you have Jordan Addison, you're, you're going to want to uh, find a, a number two guy, a, a more convenient check down, which is the tight end but do you think a tight end could be that guy that steps up and is the the reliable tar- target for for Casey Thompson when you look at both Vokalek and, and maybe the emergence of of uh, Thomas Fedoni next season yeah it could be and Vokalek is kind of that quintessential like when you think of a tight end you know he just looks he's exactly what you think of right not necessarily a game breaker but really good size really physical reliable pass catcher right that's that's what he is so yeah it would be awesome if you could do that but it's just when you're just trying to project 
you take you take this Scott Frost offense, you kind of mix it and match it with the Mark Whipple offense, and then you bring in these three guys at the receiver position that were productive, but were not the game. They weren't game breakers. They just they just weren't. And Nebraska doesn't necessarily bring back game breakers. Right? Omar Manning, for all this talent, had two touchdowns last year. Uh, and that's that's Nebraska went to him when they needed him. I mean, you know, think of the big catch against Michigan. You think of the touchdown against Oklahoma. So the the talent's there, but we get back to consistency. And is he a is he a well you can keep tapping into? I think he can be. Same with Martin, right? I mean, if Oliver stays healthy, that guy's got some skills. So there's there's plenty Alante of Alante Brown. Yeah, Alante yeah. Brown too. I mean, there's plenty of bodies to pick from. But we're we're in a group of guys that it's the it's their time to step forward and, and seize that one two three option and and then let it let it work in your favor matchup wise uh, as as the season moves forward and great if you want to say Palmer's the number one and gets off to a great start and Oklahoma's like well dude we better pay attention to Palmer good then all right is there a Martin Martin or a Manning or, you know, uh, Castaneves or, or Vokalek that steps forward and, and becomes a, a real big problem because he has the matchup advantage. I want to go to quarterbacks. We started the, the day off talking quarterbacks, and I think we'll end it. And we're, we're not uh, going to belabor the, the Adrian comments or overreact to them. But let's talk grades for a moment, Okay. If you were to put a grade on Nebraska's quarterback play, what grade do you put on the quarterback play? And then with the unknowns, whether Pretty makes this thing interesting race-wise, whether Thompson seizes it, or whether it's Logan that has something left to say uh, in that quarterback room or, or other, right? You still have Harburg. You still have some other options. You know, if I'm going to say quarterback play grade Nebraska's had during these sub-500 seasons, it'd probably be C+. Maybe a B, okay? There was there was some good and some bad. What, what grade do you give Nebraska? And what grade do they need to be not just 6-6, six and six, but a little bit better? So there's a little sigh of relief moving forward with this bigger picture discussion. That's uh, that's still the elephant in the room with Nebraska in 2022. Uh, I think you need, I think you need B plus quarterback play, and that's not throwing for 350 and an 80 percent completion percentage. But to me, it's it's more about all right. Give me about 65, 70 percent completion percentage. Uh, have time, but it's really you. You got to be. You've got to be in single-digit turnover-wise. That's fumbles and interceptions combined for the season. That's my key. I need a, I need a three-to-one ratio, rushing or passing touchdowns, to to turnover numbers. That that that's the the play Nebraska needs. Of course, it hinges on what type of running game you get. And to your point, Mark, is someone emerges as a, as a true number one that's never been a number one. It's well, when you look at Adrian on the whole, it, and, and let's break it down into like three different categories that would allow you to arrive at that one to 10 ranking. Yeah. Right. So, so you got like 
game management, you got sort of dynamic playmaking ability, mm-hmm. and then you got clutch performance. Right? The three. Let's just use those three. Sure. Um, with Adrian, dynamic playmaking ability, ten. Yep. One to ten. That I mean, come on, that dude had some incredible big moments, big plays. Game management. Whoa. Now we're sinking down to like a four, a five. Well, in turno- turnovers and clutch, I mean, you're probably... Clutch, you're like at a one. You're one or two. Right? <laughs> and so you, you look at that spread, and that's that's an EKG reading. reading. I mean, that's just like, whoa, boom, boom. That's whiplash. That you're, is so you're, difficult you're to You're passing, pay. but it's nothing to put on the old fridge. What, so what you need now, give me a five for clutch, for game management, <laughs> right? A six. Right. And give me fives across the board. And I, I think I think you're OK. I, I would prefer that than that wild swing of like a 10 in terms of dynamic playmaking ability, but one in terms of clutch. Mm. I mean, five. Adrian Martinez had multiple, multiple opportunities to go win a game. Multiple. It just never happened. The clutch element did not come through. Is it all on him? I don't know. Not, not, it's, not. it's not. It's not all on it's, him. It's probably not. But five but fives across the board is what wins in the Big Ten. Right? Considering the rest of your quarterback peer group. Yeah. You've got Captain Morgan that's in his 37th year at Minnesota. Iowa and Wisconsin have not been quarterback-centric. That's not why they've won ball games. So, see where it can go. Cranach, have a good weekend of baseball, brother. Godspeed, sir. You too. All right. Elijah, thanks so much. Back at you Monday on Hail Varsity. A Huda Media Production.